Sometimes you're hungry. Other times you're also hungry. And welcome, welcome back to the Down in Front Podcast. I shall be your host this evening. My name is Warren, and uh, we are back. I'm going to introduce everybody that we have here, and let's uh, talk about some stuff. But welcome back, everybody. How does everybody feel? Hey. Good. I didn't even know we were doing this anymore. Yeah, I know. This is a thing. It took a bit of hiatus. It's been crazy. Last couple months. Few months. I'm not entirely sure. The last time we did this, I look back at the, the notes and the records, but probably two months. Two months. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Lots of travel and lots of change. But uh, I'm glad that we all kind of get back on track because there's a lot of stuff about to come out. So especially November. Mm-hmm. With me, I have uh, Mike. How's it going, Mike? What's happening, dudes? Uh, what you drinking? So I got this uh, wine. I almost I picked up another one, but saw this great like traditional Japanese jarring. And just had to buy it. Um, it's called Kung Fu Girl. It's a Riesling from Washington State in 2014. I don't exactly know what the last year. any parts of those mean, uh, but it's really sweet. Do you really like the state, which or Riesling, any three of those. No idea. Um, no further questions. <laughs> uh, I know how to eat. Um, so yeah, but it's it's really sweet, really light. Um, on a kind of colder October day, it's probably not paired the best for the day, but it, it's really hitting the spot right now. I had ice cream earlier. I was down for it. That's killer. Kyle, how's it going, bud? Going well. Good to see you. We haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Been a bit of a ninja, a ginger ninja, if you will. Oh, it's been nice. It's been nice. Yeah, I'm sure, but I've been in the shadows the whole time. You can hear me breathing on most of these podcasts. <laughs> That's what that was? Yeah. I couldn't get that off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been getting an inhaler lately. <laughs> what are you drinking? Right now I'm going with the Harpoon Oktoberfest, going with the month, getting some malts in. Was debating on a pumpkin beer, but decided to just go with this malty, beautiful beer. Hey. Brylon, how's it going, man? How's it going? Good to Good see to you, be back. Good to be back. Yeah, I know. Thanks for coming back, man. Yeah, absolutely. How's it going? What you, what you drinking? I am drinking Smart Water, as they call it up here. That's him. It's full of electrolytes. Want to stay healthy. Is it, though? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely more sodium going into your body. So it's not as healthy as tap water, I'd say. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to just play cool and mellow tonight just because I'm a grown up and I got responsibilities. Yeah. This is cool, night. That's okay. Yeah. That's some high quality HQ. Uh, I am your host, Warren. I am also drinking a Harpoon um, Oktoberfest for right now. I actually mixed it with a little bit of a white wine blend with the Apothic White. It's pretty nice. It adds a little bit more sugar for that one, so that's why oh, I, I kind of wanted that one, so I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, last but not least, we have Jesse, but we're going to introduce Jesse once he comes back in a moment. Um, but we're going to get a chance I'm to here. talk about everything, but how's it going, Jesse? I'm here. I'm yeah. doing well. Uh, how's it going? What you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking my usual Harpoon Take 5. Nice. Pretty much every single time we, we do the podcast, I'm always drinking that. That's fair. It's always a go-to. Yeah, right? 
Trump uh, trusted works. But our uh, feature of the night will be Luke Cage, all of Luke Cage, all of season one. So I would say if you actually haven't seen the actual season, uh, you probably don't want to listen to this podcast just because we will be talking in depth and we're actually been removing the entire spoiler-free section just so that we can have a nice dialogue to kind of go right into the nitty-gritty of everything. So kind of keep that in mind. But we're going to do a bit of a roundtable again and start talking about all the things that we've been watching. Uh, and for right now, I'm going to actually start with Brylin because he actually has a show that I actually forgot to put on my uh, my list of... Uh, Brylin, what you been watching? Uh, yeah, so TV show season is like in full swing right now. And besides my regular superhero shows, there were a couple shows I'd like to point out that I'm really excited about I really like. Uh, first off is Atlanta. Yes. It's Donald Glover's new project. Absolutely. AKA new Lando Calrissian, which mm, I'm super wow. excited about. Ooh. I was kind of upset. Best part that. of that, that movie, I think. I spoiled yeah. that one. I was like, I was really upset that somebody spoiled that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Damn it. You would have found out eventually. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. But Atlanta is probably my favorite new show that's on right now. I it's, have to uh, agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's refreshing. It's doing things that other shows aren't doing. It definitely balances the line of funny and making you think at the same time really, really well. And it, it's, on one level, very simple story about like a couple of guys struggling to make it big in the hood. But on other levels, it's very existentialist. And I like they have a very existentialist approach to different things. Um, I mean, they have an amazing cast, too. Um, I forget the names of the actors, but the guy that plays Paperboy, he's awesome. And even his friend is fucking hilarious <laughs> and amazing. Oh, my God. Just when they went through the uh, pawn shop journey. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> it was amazing, like, how he was... He was very successful at it, but at the same time, it was, like, the dumbest thing ever. So it definitely balances those things really well. But it also... It actually points out like some very serious uh, things from relationships to community to um, race that are I think are really important to address this day and age. Uh, just even the idea of uh, Don Glover's character Earn living with uh, his on again off again girlfriend, sleeping in the same bed, having a kid together, but do they love each other? That's enough to just make my head explode about like. Could I even handle something like that in my own life? Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. What do y'all think about it? Well, the actor uh, that plays Paperboy is Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, and then the actor that plays uh, Darius is Keith Stanfield. Um, but I know it like, all, all depends on, you know, like, your perspective and stuff like that. But, like, living, like, having a kid, living with a baby mom, like, kind of struggling and, like, not necessarily kind of having a job is tons of my friends kind of going up in high school was like that's normally that's a kind of a normal thing actually happening so it was really interesting when they opened up the show and I kind of see that and I just see like the relationships that he has with his mom and dad kind of sort of they want to make sure he he's actually trying to do something and um, Ernest or Earn kind of going through and like having these different sort of relationships with all these other characters I just think is really interesting and I'm, I'm glad the fact that it's not like um He's not narrating. It's like, oh, he's coming from my perspective. Uh, Donald Glover is, like, in the show itself, and the show just kind of continuously going around. Mainly Paperboy, uh, and then all the other stuff that happens. Even with the... Um, I actually haven't caught up in the... Uh, caught up, but at least the episodes I was up to, the uh, internet troll kind of sort of guy. Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to call him the oh, troll, yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, the yeah, Instagram, totally. Twitter guy. Uh, oh, but that's... There's 
all right now that's happening and it has been happening for a while yeah. and I'm, I'm wondering you know if people are trying to get big doing like rap industry and stuff like that is that something they deal with all the time so that was interesting and there's also like stylistically there's there's been a few like in the, in the, I think there's been two episodes since then there's one that like does an entirely different styled episode still keeps with the story but it does it entirely through a format of a talk show <clears throat> and that's hilarious the advertisements are also like there's advertisements done for real products, but it's clearly part of the show, but you can't quite tell because the, the, it's just the tone of it until you get to the end. You're like, oh, that was a punchline. I'm watching, I'm still watching the show. And so I just really like the way there's a stylistic like kind of change. There's not a linear storyline being told. Every episode kind of can jump to, like one episode can be entirely revolved around the girlfriend, another character, and how she's going along. And the other characters will be involved, but it's not necessarily telling a one-way story that, like, opens and closes. There's episodes that are just be, be like, cool, yeah, here, these characters are still here, but we're just doing this entirely other epi- different episode. Huh. And it's, it's, it's really cool. And then it can jump right back in. Like, it, it, it keeps you really involved with it. How, uh, how many episodes? So far? Five? Six? Five. I made, uh, I made it a point. I might cap it at seven, seven? so far. <laughs> I had a different show goal over this last weekend, and but I think this weekend's I'm gonna try and conquer Atlanta. I'm spacing out the entire time you guys are talking. It's gonna be rough editing this one. No, nah, uh, it's, it's fine because like it's so easy to watch. Really, yeah, uh, I've, I've heard nothing but good things. I had a different, like I said, I, I just had a different goal. It, That's cool though. I've, I've heard nothing was, but really amazing things. I mean, if you had shape, it's easy to watch as you're actually watching it. It's a little bit difficult. We got into this conversation a little bit of like accessing it because unless because I don't have TV I, I mean not, not many people have cable so yeah. if you don't have cable you can either buy it on iTunes you can watch the first episode I think on fx.com or fx app or something like that for the Apple TV but then other than that like it's just kind of buying it so that's where the only thing that's probably where there's an internet rating. there's a way yeah but I'm saying it's like hurting their ratings right all the other yeah, stuff doesn't yeah, go yeah. to their ratings so seeing I actually kind of try to, try to support these guys and yeah, kind of like true. say hey I want to make sure this show kind of gets more and more yeah. popular yeah. It's tough because you're already limiting your audience down. It's not, like, if it was on Hulu, it would have been fine. Which right. Sure, after the season's over, it should pop up on Hulu. Yeah, I mean, that's what FX usually does, is they wait like six or seven months, and then they drop it on, on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, and the show is only 30 minutes long, and for a 30-minute long show, it packs a lot into yeah, it, it does. which is awesome. Uh, other shows I've been watching, uh, Halt and Catch Fire Season 3 on AMC just wrapped up, and it's Mad Men set in 1980s Silicon Valley, basically. <laughs> And it's it was created by some of the writers for Mad Men. Uh, it's got sim- similar characters. The actors are really good. It has Lee Pace on it. Um, it has uh, uh, Scoot McNary, who's been in a lot of things, and Carrie Bechet, and they're all really good. And they do a really good job of like going season by season, just focusing on different characters, having them kind of own the season each year, which is really good. Uh, it's definitely a struggling show. It doesn't really get the ratings, but critics always love it. But also think that it does. Mi- it has something missing. It's missing something that had Mad Men had, which was like story progression and like making sure it's paced out well, and you're not like kind of like struggling to get to your end goal, which is probably the biggest criticism. Is what is the end game to this whole story they're trying to tell right now? Um, but uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And lastly, I would say uh, Star Wars Rebels uh, Season 3 started up recently, and it's a great animated show that still tells a little bit more of the sides of the Star Wars universe. So um, 
Rebels basically is covering uh, a group of people before the rebellion was began. So you start to see like the roots of that come together, which we'll probably see more in Rogue One when that comes out this year. Nice. Um, but, I, I gave up after season two. Is season yeah. three really good? I like it a lot. Because season yeah. two was kind of disappointing to me. Really? Yeah. I love the ending of season two. Season yeah. two had some of the most impactful drama in a Star Wars story I've seen. Would you say season two better than season three? It's tough to say. Uh, season three is started as kind of a slow burn, I would say. They've definitely jumped ahead in time a lot. So they're trying to try to show you like more of how they're becoming how the rebellion's becoming organized which is interesting but i like that they bring in characters that um you you won't expect to be stars in the star wars universe but make them stars so like uh commander rex which was in who was in star wars the clone wars he comes mm. back as an old guy he's all grizzled and haggard and he's really cool and they brought in grand admiral thrawn from the heir to the empire book trilogy and he's been a really good villain. Which, right? I mean, that's that was the suspicion that we were going to get for the the movies. So the fact that they yeah. brought him in on the show. I, I'm, i like, self-proclaimed, like, one of the hugest Star Wars people. And I've yet to watch this show for no reason whatsoever. Did you ever watch Clone Wars? I know. I, I just, I saw animated and, like, prequel. And I just tuned out. And I've heard nothing. It's funny that you stopped watching because... Uh, I go to like the Star Wars subreddit, and everyone in that Star Wars subreddit is just like crazy engaged on Rebels. Hmm. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. I I've heard more people from Brylan's perspective, <laughs> and I just again having clear time to marathon. I, I feel like too, I might be saving it up because it's a very much a this episode leads into the next episode leads into the next episode. I, maybe it was more I was just getting sick of cliffhangers that I was mm. like, okay, I'm gonna wait until it's all on Netflix and just binge. The yeah, and, and it's definitely like multiple episodes that tell a big story. I mean, yeah. it's definitely kind of that. There are some things, like, they, they gear it towards children, so it's on Disney XD. I heard, it was, channels. I heard it was but dark, it's, though. It's still pretty dark, and it's still a really good tale of Star Wars as well. How do they, without spoiling that too much, how do they get Thrawn involved? Because his big thing is the power vacuum after the Empire. Um, Did- yeah, so they're, they, I mean, this is a young Grand Admiral Thrawn that... Governor Tarkin basically said, tells this person that's this this imperial officer that's overseeing this planet Lothal, yeah. which most of the rebels are from. Yeah, uh, saying like, "Hey, you keep on um, missing capturing these rebels. We're gonna get bring in some big guns to help you out." Oh, and so, so Thrawn's the Thrones Thrawn's the big gun because he's one of the big fleet. Oh, okay, okay, cool. There. I was gonna say because his his real engaging storylines after. Right. Interesting. Yeah, but it's cool to see like how you can develop a character like that that you already know about and yeah. bring something to his character as well. Hmm. Cool. cool. So, Mike, what you been watching? Sure. Um, I've been watching a couple things. Um, one of which we'll talk about next week. And we'll, yeah, we'll give well. that we'll give that spoiler or not spoiler that teaser, if you will. Yeah, we got um, at the end of this. But uh, my big thing for me is uh, that I'm sure no one's been watching is this show called This Is Us. Uh, one of our, uh, you know, kind of this incestuous, like we all talk about everything, uh, our friends who do Friends of, with Blends, uh, which Warren is also part of, uh, yes, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, like cross, you know, cross contamination right now. Brandish well, cross, Brandish right, not contamination, cross proportional thing. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's contamination. Um, but, uh, 
Oh, I just don't like Warren. That's the that's why it's contamination. Fair. Um, fair. So fair. so uh, one of the people in Friends with Blends says, "Hey, go get yourself a bottle of wine." And then watch this television show because it is the right type of lifetime drama, uh, and so I kind of got hooked. It's weird. It's like the first two episodes, like I thought were hilarious because they were just lifetime movies, and then the second couple episodes, uh, I actually like was like very much engaged on, and like the the writing's really really good. Like it's about three kids that well they're in their thirties now. Um, but and how they kind of connect from their childhood going forward and they're at three completely different places in their lives and so it kind of bounces back and forth uh in their stories and fills in like all these different pictures that like right now you still don't you still don't have the, the full picture and that's where the storyline's going towards uh but the the way it's written and directed and even acted the acting is for a cable television show is like very much on point um, it's really good. Uh, I thought that they, uh, talking, I mean, this will lead into Luke Cage a little bit, but they have, um, one of the characters is an adopted black child, um, who grows up in a wealthy white family and then goes on to be very successful. Uh, and then through things, they kind of juxtapose between like someone, uh, his black, real black father who has not gone through that life. And they devoted pretty much an entire episode to it. And it was like, Again, for cable television, I, I was really surprised with the maturity that they, they handled on that. And it, it truthfully kind of opened my eyes to a couple things that I necessarily didn't, didn't see before, which blew my mind for cable television. Um, uh, after that, uh, I've been keeping up with the new South Park. Uh, oh, so good. It's been like the, the whole continuation on the storyline and how they've been lampooning Trump, Hillary, and how they've gone back to the, the douchebag and the turret sandwich, which we all were saying over the summer. You know, we're like, oh my god, like, this is South Park predicted this seven years ago. Um, has been incredible. Um, I think they've had a couple standout, like, legitimately laugh-out-loud moments that were disgusting as well. That was a nice callback to, like, some of those, like, early to mid-seasons <laughs> that, like, you were disgusted with yourself, but you were also, like, wetting your pants laughing. Um, and then the last thing that I've been watching, or not watching, because, you know, uh, we're doing this instead, <laughs> uh, but is uh, The Cubbies. Uh, Y'all probably don't know, because you don't really necessarily know me, but... Uh, my, my mom's side of the family is all from Chicago. And so my grandma's in her mid eighties and has never seen the Cubs win. You know, she was born, you know, right after, well, I guess 20 years after they, they last won and then is still going strong. So I'm so hardcore rooting for them to win. Yeah. They haven't won in 104 years. Yeah. It was, it's it's hard to find someone that saw the last one that they won. Seriously. I saw, uh, like as soon as, so I'm a diehard Sox fan. I don't know if you could tell from the stupid accent, but, uh, diehard, diehard Sox fan. And, uh, once Ortiz, you know, once we saw that, like that last pitch go to, uh, you know, eliminate the Sox from playoffs, put on my little blue hat and said, let's go Cubbies. <laughs> so yeah, that Simpsons meme? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the fade it's out. Although I, I have to say like this, that's not fair weather. That's just like, I just want to see one from my grandma, you know, like. I think everybody, the majority of the people right now are all Cubs fans, unless they have some sort of ties with Cleveland. Because yeah. Do you really have ties with Cleveland? I like the major league movies. That's it. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But uh, Cubs are currently losing. We're still in the bottom of the third right now. Yeah. 
Let's go Cubbies. So if you see any, if, or if you guys hear any weird shouts in the background that I'm not able to edit out, uh, it's just the Cubbies doing something. That's also understandable because it connects like how long the Red Sox went without like seeing a championship too. So yeah. like, you can, you gotta empathize with. There's them. a there's a general empathy there. And Kyle, what you been watching, bud? All right, beyond the two that have been mentioned, uh, South Park as well as Atlanta, which I totally agree on to watching those i'm holding on by like the thinnest of strings still watching arrow hoping that they salvage it i don't think they will it's been going further downhill circling the drain but i've also been watching flash uh that one is still keeping my interest uh just going with some timeline stuff and really exploring mm-hmm. the fact that flash the flash can travel in time which they've dipped into their toes into that pool before now this seems like that's the focal point of this whole season is the changes and that he can't keep going back and fixing things because the repercussions exist. Time travel stuff, totally cool. And then beyond that, uh, I mean, as I typically always do every fall, uh, and slash all year, football season in the fall, and then I still hold on to loving WWE every week, so I still watch that and keep up with that. Cool. Uh, one thing I forgot to add, I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, I, I I know you got a whole bunch of things, so I might as well snag it. Um, it's it's like, been good. Still this, two seasons behind. Yeah, it's been good this year. Like it's been really good, but not engaging. And that's a weird thing to say. Like it's been well acted, well written, well directed. Like, but it's just I don't know. It's just not as they're doing everything right. You just don't care. I like the well, dude they got for Ghost Rider, and I'm just whenever I see it, I wish he it was in a Netflix show. Yeah, and I think they're. I don't know. I think there's like a wait. Ghost Riders and freaking Agent of Shield. Spoiler alert! It's not. It's not Johnny Blaze though. It's uh. It's uh. Robbie Reyes. Yeah. Is he like another Ghost Rider? Right. So, it's but he's. Cool. I mean, Gabriel Luna's been really good. At yeah. It. This season is better than last season. I think in the last like I I not, not the acting. We know the acting is campy and like whatever. But I guess the situations and the things they're setting up, it actually is moving towards something that people who may not know of much of the Marvel Universe, like myself, will kind of find it a bit interesting because before, the those that middle season was like, what are you even talking about? I loved last then, year. Well, they kind of, ki- once they killed off all these characters that clearly, I feel like a lot of people didn't care about anymore, I think they were really like cleaning house a little bit yeah. so they can like breathe some fresh and kind of new blood and that's what they're kind of feeling for right now. Then bringing in a character like Ghost Rider, that's also something new. Now they're tying something from the most recent episode, so they're tying something more back from Marvel Cinematic Universe piece. So well, now they're like I mean, bringing those two together. They're doing the, like, they're clearly, Marvel's a brand is trying to just inf- infuse magic in the supernatural. Yep. And that's gonna, yep. I think that it's gonna help lessen the blow when Doctor Strange comes out. You know, that uh, I was like, oh, magic exists. The other thing is that, uh, going back, I've literally, I don't even know what else this guy's been in, but I love John Hanna from The Mummy and The Mummy 2. Like, I, I think that's literally oh, yeah. the only thing that I've seen him in, but as soon as he showed oh, up in yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., He's good. I was just like, yeah, let's he, do this. He plays Radcliffe. He plays Radcliffe. Yeah. He's been really good. Sorry, I don't mean to sideline it too that too much, but like, yeah, it's I, I, he's been a big win this year. But my whole thing is, I mean, why keep Agents of Shield going when you got such a amazing thing going on with the Netflix shows? What's the uh, point? Of it's it? well, it's like the comics, and this is this is where you can get this that like, like the the big thing about these continued universes, which I think is why DC needs to not do this because they have a team of movies that. Whatever, whatever, whatever. You can have movies and TV shows and other miniseries, let's call them, 
that have no relation to anything whatsoever except that they're in the same universe. Because that's what comic books do. Comic books just, like, they just have stuff that's elsewhere and do their own thing, and then all of a sudden that character shows up in a movie. Or not in a movie, in a team-up somewhere. So, like, I... It's fine. It's kind of like, I mean, they have damage control. Now they introduced Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comic books. Like, they, they have all these things that don't necessarily vibe. It's just, it's another outlet. Okay. I don't know. That's that's my opinion. I looked yeah. at uh, John Hanna's IMDb, and there's nothing that I uh, recognize there besides uh, Spartacus, I believe he was in. He was good in that. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, but there's a lot of, like, kind of smaller things that he did, but nothing, I guess, like, kind of mainstream. But he's a great actor. But he's real good. He plays that one character that, like, Who's brilliant but terrified at the same time? Yep, he plays that character yep. amazingly well. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> like that's that looks like yeah. his role. That's it. Cool, uh, Jesse. What you been watching? Uh, I got two shows to mention. I watched the first season of Penny Dreadful, and the more I think about it, the less I liked it. I really didn't like it. Yeah, I'll try. I was trying to yeah. get through the first season a lot. I I, 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 uh, I, I kind of powered through it because it was like. Well, um, okay, I'm four episodes in, and there's still just a few more to go, so I'm going to watch the next one. And then I was like, well, I guess I'll watch the It wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. Everybody says it's good. It's a bummer because it talks about, I mean, at least for me, some of my favorite sort of stories and characters and things that have been kind of introduced. (laughs) But it's so heavily... Heavily weighed down by dialogue. And right? Me, the whole I show love, yeah. is like, okay, we're going to do a scene where these two characters talk. And then we're going to do this other scene where these two characters talk. And then they're going to run into each other on the streets yeah. randomly. Like, oh, we don't have to write a plot as to why they ran into each other. They just ran into each other. Like, And now they're going to have a four-person heavy talk scene. It was just boring. It was, it was too quick that show. they... I think a couple of things, because I, I, I am a person who enjoys just regular dialogue just to see like the actual writing and stuff, and I know going off of what Bradley was talking about, that's why I love Mad Men, because Mad Men was literally tons of dialogue, but at but the same time, you get like... Well. Slow, so, like yeah. You can do West Wing, for example. Yeah. Like, you can do well yeah. dialogue, but and there were scenes <laughs> that were good, but as a whole, like... And you know what? I'll be honest, Eva Green overacted. Well, the the other thing that I think they got going for them, like the other thing that was really like kind of a negative point or criticism for that show is they have a lot of characters introduced very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're talking about if you're in the first four episodes, you're already I think eight or nine characters in, and now you're trying to figure out what story goes with what, but then they just keep going like adding a couple characters. On top of that too is like, uh, so they go for this whole like, in case you guys didn't know, in Penny Dreadful, it's like, okay, they have Dorian Gray and they have Victor Frankenstein and like, it's that very like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of vibe of like, okay, it's all the Victorian characters. But not the entire cast is Victorian characters. Some of are original characters. So you have some like original characters but some like uh, you know, from, you know, medieval story, or not medieval, but uh, Victorian stories. And it's one of those things where I was like, if you're going to commit to an idea, stop throwing in original characters. Like, commit to the idea. Do, like, a League of Extraordinary yeah. Gentlemen's thing. Yeah. Yeah, isn't well, Eva Green like a Mina Harker? She's supposed yeah. to be, like, a Mina Harker-esque character, but she's more of just, 
Possessed Chick 101. But like, Penny, that's, that's what she is. But the name of the show, Penny Dreadful, is those little stories that talks about all those Victorian characters right. that we're talking and, about. And I so I think at some point there's like a cowboy in there, um, like an American cowboy, right. and there's like some stuff like that. <laughs> right. But there are other characters introduced that I had. I, I have no idea who they well, are. Well, they finished up with season three, so I started, like, they said, hey, season three, we're done. That's it. And that's why I got into it. I was like, okay, cool. 26 hour long episodes. I'm game, we'll see a full story, and I'm a third of the way through, and I'm not gonna finish it, I don't care. Like, I don't, like, and that's, that's a quick one. Uh, I mean, kind of going off of your British television, I've been seeing a lot of stuff, but the only things I'm gonna kind of highlight are a couple. Um, so all the stuff that I've seen so far, I've seen them, uh, Mrs. Peregrine, Peculiar Children, um, I saw that movie, The Magnificent Seven, I saw with Jesse, I saw Sully, I saw Deep Water Horizon, uh, I actually saw, I went back and saw Song of the Sea, because apparently that was, like, up for, like, Best Animated, I believe it was last year. Nice. Um, and I just went and watched, like, a bunch of movies. Uh, so, I would say, like, out of the, all the stuff that I've been seeing, the two that I want to talk about is at least Deepwater Horizon and another uh, anime, Amazon show called Fleabag. And I was mentioning this inside the group, but um, going into Deepwater Horizon and all my no-spoiler things, I thought for sure that this was not a true story. And I thought it was Deep Impact or something. How something have you never heard of the Deep Impact? I know. I, well, I mean, I heard of I know about the, uh, spoiler, it's about the BP oil spill. Yeah. Um, I knew about all that stuff. So You knew that Sully was a plane crash, right? Like, <laughs> I did not know. I didn't know Sully was a plane crash either. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know the uh, name of the captain's name was, like, his last name was something Sully in it. So I didn't know about that. Do you um, not read a newspaper? Uh, or he doesn't like to spoil life. I don't like, I don't want like, like, like to spoil life. I don't care. I think, I think Deepwater Horizon is interesting because when they're reporting it in the news, all the focus is on BP and how bad of a company BP is. Well, I mean, they didn't it was, really talk about the people running the oil rig. It was really interesting because, like, going into this movie, I think I had an oh shit moment um, because pretty quickly into the movie, I'm like, oh shit, this is about the BP oil spell. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, like, how, you know, how Wait bad? A yeah, and I was like, oh, you know, how bad it's gonna be? I guess the biggest thing about this, and the reason why, I don't know, I'll text this to everybody, but I got terribly emotional in this movie. I mean, I cried in this movie because I didn't realize how many people had lost their lives in an event that's about, like, that's a real event that happened. And so, when you bring up a movie that uh, glorifies the Schindler's List, but like, when you bring up a movie, uh, like when you glorify certain like certain things in a movie just to bring to a point about it but I mean BP looks horrible in this movie like it looks terrible John Malkovich yeah. is like one of the main guys and clearly he's walking around saying I don't give a shit about anybody um and then we're sorry yeah we're sorry we're so sorry, sorry. <laughs> um so and at one point like it was shot like beautifully it was I, I saw it in IMAX and it was the sound was awesome and Everything they did was crazy and to the point where it like introduced a couple different things and then all shit hit the fan. And when shit hit the fan, it was literally going all downhill. And the best part about it was those people that was doing like the self-sacrifice sort of things. And I know at one point not all this stuff was probably true and it's obviously like a little bit more like they changed some stuff up. But I just didn't realize how many people had like passed like lost their lives over this like kind of fuck up. So... That's what kind of really got me, and there's like a small little snippet at the end of the movie that shows everybody who actually did kind of lose their lives, and it's this really, really powerful scene of, um, oh crap, I always forget his name, but like everybody kind of gets onto the boat, 
and Kurt Russell character um, is in there, and Kurt Russell's like scream, like trying to yell off like roll call and yelling out people's names, and he like hits five or six, and then he yells out one, and nobody responds, and he yells out like three or four more, and they're all in one section, and everybody now realized that that entire but kind of bottom section that was under this under the ship kind of none of them, nobody got out. And that was, like, a really kind of tough part of it. Um, Mark Wahlberg in this movie, and it was really focused on him a lot, but it wasn't truly focused. Uh, I would say, kind of closing up for that one and moving to Fleabag, the biggest kind of moment in th that movie that kind of messed me up terribly, I was crying terribly in this movie, was when um, Mark uh, Wahlberg's character was like, FaceTiming or Skyping his wife, who was played by... I can't remember. I'll look it up. But uh, they were FaceTiming to get cut out because that's when stuff started happening. And then she's trying to find out information. So then she tries to call, she tries to call like another wife and another wife is like, well, I heard a little bit of the story had happened. Then she called another wife and they also like all collaborated. Like I heard a little bit. Then they call the actual emergency line and they were like, well, there's been a fire, but that's all we can release. And that's all the information that you have from that was there has been a fire on the rig and that's it. So that was crazy because it's like, it was kind of a silent moment. I was like, oh, that's tough. So, I mean, I would definitely say go watch that movie. That movie's kind of powerful. It's pretty, it's pretty good. The one weird thing about it, though, is I think he's also coming out with another movie called Patriot's Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same director. Yeah. And I know it's going to be and huge Mark for Wahlberg. Same director? Same director. Yeah, yeah. this director, Mark Wahlberg, they've done some interesting movies based on true life events mm -hmm. that are tragedies, but trying to show the heroism and bold with them. Yeah. Because he did Lone Survivor as well, which is about Navy SEALs being ambushed by Al-Qaeda. Yep. And yeah, Patriot's Day, that'll definitely be... He also did Battleship. He did yeah. Battleship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess he woke up. Well, to be fair, he did, <laughs> he did Friday Night Lights, so... Oh, okay. The TV show or the movie? Uh, the movie. Okay. They're both great, so... Um, the wife was played by... Jesse, do you have that up right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm uh, Kate Hudson. There yeah. we go. It was, I mean, it's a really good cast. Kurt Russell, Kate Hudson, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it's a bunch of. Yeah. Yeah. such a good it, cast. It was a good cast. Movie. Um, but I guess my main feature that I want to talk about is uh, season one. There's a uh, there's a show on Amazon called Fleabag. It's a British comedy uh, or BBC sort of television, much like what Jesse was talking about. But this show is hilarious. This show is very funny, but it's a very dark comedy. Um, and it starts off with like the main character, just this broken down like woman who's like super lewd and kind of crass, but at the same time like very funny. She's like open, she's, like doesn't really give a shit about it at all. I think like she's opening up as she's having sex with a guy, and as she's having sex with this guy, she's talking about oh he wants to do anal. So as he's doing that, she's like talking to the actual cameras like he's gonna do it. Yeah, watch. Uh, it's about to happen. So she always breaks that kind of the fourth wall um, layer. That's very British, though. Yeah, for sure. That's it's, funny. It's, yeah. it's, it's, well, I was watching like this on a plane. Like <laughs> <laughs> yourself. Um, I was watching this on a plane, and I was like, oh, shit, what, what is the show? Um, but it was very funny, and I think one of the big things is, like, this woman's kind of, like, she has a struggling restaurant and terrible relations with her sister and her father, and her mother had passed away, and her mother's best friend then married her father, so there's, like, drama there. But there's like this weird thing happening in which she's like dealing with the loss of her best, best friend. And there's a lot of flashbacks of what happened, but her best friend was basically trying to get back at her best friend's boyfriend. So she ended up just wanting to like go into the actual street in the bike lane, but apparently there's a car there and she ended up committing suicide. So her best friend committed suicide and now it like vaulted her into this like weird world of how she kind of lives with that. So, just think of like a dark comedy, somebody who's always kind of there, and there's this weird mystery of like, well, what the heck happened? You know, how does she die? Like, what's kind of going on from that? Um, and it's a great show. I mean, definitely check it out. I want to say max 10 or 11 episodes. 
Um, I want it probably like about uh, 45 to an hour. So it's definitely take a little bit of time, but it's a very, very good show. And I definitely suggest that. Fleabag, that's on uh, Amazon. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to let's move into our uh, actual finally talk about Luke Cage. Netflix season one. Marvel's Sweet Christmas. Sweet, sweet, sweet Christmas. Christmas. Uh, how many people is going to be Luke Cage for Halloween here? I am not. I am definitely doing it. It's <laughs> just so annoying. <laughs> I'm, I'm going... wearing like the tiara and the yellow shirt. Like Tiara? Uh, I was just going to do blackface and call it a day. Yikes. Just kidding. Yikes. Just kidding. If you're going to say glued, you might want to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Luke Cage, uh, Marvel... New, uh, so, well, you know, Marvel's kind of new Netflix uh, series. Uh, all season one is all on Netflix right now. It all dropped uh, about a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now. Like a month ago. A month ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And from what I'm seeing, it's pretty phenomenal. I'm hearing all about it. But let's kind of go around. Let's start with some wins and we're going to get into some criticisms and like kind of talk about the show a little bit. So uh, let's start with uh, you, Bradley. All right. So with Luke Cage, this was like one of the series they announced that I was most concerned about. I mean, I've never been like a big Luke Cage fan, but he's definitely like one of those characters I knew was in the background of like the big Marvel events whenever they happened in the comics, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Bulletproof dude that like can't be shot or killed or anything like that. I always thought he was a cool character, but I never really got into him. And during Jessica Jones' uh, run of the show, like Mike Coulter being Luke Cage, it's like, this guy's doing a serviceable job and stuff. I didn't really think he was amazing uh, during um, Jessica really? Jones. I, didn't I thought he was one of the best parts. Yeah. I mean, he was solid. To me, he was solid. But I, I mean, was more excited for Luke Cage than I was for Daredevil uh, Season 2. Really? I was because more because yeah. of Mike Coulter's uh, performance. I but was more excited I, for Luke Cage than uh, all the shows. Yeah, but when I started watching Luke Cage, man, I mean Mike Coulter knocks it out of the fucking park. Yeah, oh, he yeah. is amazing. He's a re revelation. He should be in a lot of movies and stuff going forward. Um, he's fantastic as Luke Cage. I mean, Luke Cage is a character that it's probably the most grounded character that Marvel's made as well. Like, he's definitely a guy with baggage, and so he's not like an absolute good person. He has some dark past to him that he's trying to overcome but at the same time works to be a good person and wants to be and kind of is reluctant about being a good person at the same time so he's very conflicted about being a hero uh, which I really like I love the story that it's like a western and a noir film like mashed together uh, hmm. Nor detective stories are like some of my favorite things that I, I really like. I called it a hip hop western. Yeah. Uh, one of one of our good, like one of our good friends. Uh, well, actually, the person that got me into Marvel, um, I was talking about that, and then we we both came to the conclusion that it had the same like you talked about very a lot of western motives mm -hmm. underscored with hip hop. So yeah, and there's there's some great like storytelling as well where. Uh, him having his conversations with Pops in the barbershop when they're talking about um, Walter Mosley novels versus Shaft stories, what is the best, and uh, that like that conversation got to me because I've read those Easy Rollin' novels and Shaft novels, and they're really good stories, and I like that they kind of like mentioned <laughs> that, and that's kind of like how part of what influences the character of Luke Cage in the comics. 
And uh, other than Mike Coulter, I think um, Cottonmouth, I forget the guy's the actor's name, Good but pronouncing it. I, Mar- I do not want phenomenal. I do not so want good. to slaughter his name. I got you. All right, go for it. No, well, I don't know yet, but I got not you. yet. Okay, <laughs> um, but he Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. Gotcha. Cool. Um, he he blew me away because at first when I was watching him as Cottonmouth, it wasn't until the end of the show that I realized he was also Remy from House of Cards. And I was like, wow, this is like a totally 180 from what he's used to playing. And he does a great job of being that that bad guy that is multi-layered, but he's not absolutely evil, but he does bad things. But he also does things for his community as well. So he can even turn a community on to the good guy. If he wants to on a whim, which well, is pretty crazy. Well, he he also plays the fly bad guy, where yeah. he's not like when you see like when you see a bad guy that's like just good at being bad. Th- seriously, no. Like if you look at like the Rick and Ralph line. Sorry. Oh really? <laughs> oh. But like no, you look at like uh, what's it called? Uh, fine. We'll think of we'll think of like the 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 best ones like Loki in the Marvel universe. Um, you, you he he consistently just comes he comes up big as a bad guy, which is constantly doing bad things. Or Ultron is maybe a better one. He's constantly improving, and he just lays it on there. And he's so good about consistently being good, being bad. Where Cottonmouth, he fails. He fails a lot. He's like trying to be this really tough guy, and he he's human. He fails. Yeah, like I mean. Prime example is when he's trying to run guns to the um, other gangs, and it's a group of uh, street rats, basically, that mess up that plan of his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I mean, it's like those factors of life that just happen, and that can just cause mess uh, his like big plans to just go astray yeah. for anything. Um, and then also, I'm going to call out Misty Knight, the actress that plays Misty Knight. She's amazing. Um, just her being a detective and kind of being her, like that ear to the ground type of detective and being able to perceive what may or may not be there. I always liked when she did her like kind of detective vision, kind yeah, of like how Batman good. does was always really cool that she just walks herself through the scenarios of what happened. Uh, but she's a really cool character that I hope to see more of in other, um, uh, Marvel properties. Simone Missick, his name. Simone Missick. Warren, close your eyes or your ears for a second. No, just don't talk about it. <laughs> She's confirmed for Iron Fist. Nice. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's not a spoiler for me. But um, aren't they a couple in the comics? I get to no. choose what's a spoiler. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh, Misty Knight uh, confirmed for Iron Fist. Um, so we will be seeing, and hopefully, the thing the that wing. happens to her in the comics. That makes her who she is will hopefully happen to her in that storyline. That's story a spoiler. Line. You didn't need to bring that up. Yeah, and say what happens. Yeah, and um, I'll get to the scene I want to talk about later, but also the music in this in this show is awesome. The music in the show, uh, the way they tailor it to actually meet, uh, talk, go through the tones of every single episode, uh, and how they just have the location of... Like Harlem Paradise is the place where you actually hear that music for the first time is 
that is going to be a is is a fantastic way of just introducing music to go along with the story as well. Absolutely. The music, the musical guests, the way they like integrated it for the first like half of the series season or maybe even more to just <clears throat> have them performing in the club, like warming up or do be doing a live show. It was just yeah. it was phenomenal the way it was done. And like it was like new, it was old, but it all captured it just like a style that, and a substance. That Charles Bradley scene Charles Bradley was incredible. Was so I mean, phenomenal. The Raphael Sadiq, I think they opened up a little The, the Raphael Sadiq, Jadena. And yes. Like, yeah. And like how they would fit that to be like it would also fit thematically through what was going on or even just like this one was more of a cheesy like shoehorn in but even the way they worked Method Man into it and just not only having him be a cameo Man. and be about it and then just be on the radio and he's like alright this is for him like <laughs> I even thought that was cool because it always just like factored in that there was a music aspect to everything and it was like really it really had a good the style and the tone of the whole show, it just, like, it had such a good, like, communal vibe. Like, this is the world, and it really, like, helps you immerse yeah. by having those musical artists and those well, sounds. And that was so New York, too, to have, like, like, I, I mean, I don't know, I'm not that big of a hip-hop, like, not, I'm not a hip-hop head, let's be honest. I like hip-hop, but not like that. Breaking news. I know, I know. <laughs> the metalhead doesn't, isn't a huge hip-hop, dude. Uh, but, like, even I know that, like, you know, like, the, the, the midday, late-night, like, DJs that are the New York DJs are important to that culture. And, like, the radio show Method Man was on is, like, a distinctive... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, like, a, an important part of New York culture and New York hip-hop culture. Like, it's... I thought that was really cool that they included it. All right, we got Brylin... We talked about Kyle. So, um, I mean, I guess I'll talk about a little bit, a couple of my wins. I have a, I have a bunch of it stuff, but I'm not going to reiterate what everybody's been saying here. I do like the fact that, you know, you are, it, this is a pretty new story. Uh, I mean, some people have may have seen, you know, Jessica Jones. Other people had maybe seen like, um, like Daredevil. But I, I feel like you don't. I, I would feel you don't need to watch those shows to watch the show to get like the relationship aspect mm -hmm. of it. Now, later on down the line, when Rosario Dawson's character kind of comes in, then she starts talking about some deeper stuff, then maybe. In order to kind of get it tied in, you may want to go back and watch that. Because I never finished Jessica Jones just because I didn't like it. But I knew exactly what was going on through Daredevil, so I knew that. But at one point she said, oh, I sh she shot, uh, you've been shot, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I don't remember that part in Jessica Jones because I didn't get there. Um, but I do like the fact that, you know, opened up in that, like, a New York, uh, a New York show about you know a bunch of black people that has a ton of hip hop roots. Of course, it's gonna start in a, in a, in a barbershop. I'm like, oh come on, like that is perfect. And what they do to talk about the barbershop is no cussing because there's kids in there, and they're also talking about like sports and stuff. I'm like, that is exactly the actual conversation that happened in barbershops here. <laughs> yeah, so, the guys playing chess in the corner. No, dude. Yeah. I love how that was. That was Turk. From uh, no. Daredevil and Jessica Jones. It took me a while to figure it out, but me I was like, too. Yeah, I had to yeah. look it up. Because they kept referencing things, so I was like, okay. But when he started running around saying, where's my damn money? Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, well, it's, 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 you heard when he said, I'm going back north. You, I mean, it's funny because you know what happens to him because of Daredevil season two. Yeah. Um, Wait, which one? The, the, so the gun runner. He was the guy who got kidnapped by the hand in Daredevil season two. So um, it proves that at least part of the both of those shows take place at the same time. Okay. Because he at one point says, "Hey, I'm going up um, north." Tells Kitchen, 
And then you never hear from him again. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. I like him in that. I, I like. I like. I'm starting to like really like it, his character. It was funny. Very funny, but at the same time, he is well, a part. You of do him. know he's stilt man, right? Like he's the butt of all Marvel jokes. That's right. Like, yeah. yeah. Stilt man. He's like he always gets beat up. Like by the crappiest. Super yeah. He's villain. like the crappiest supervillain of all time. Nice. Yeah. That's funny. But it's funny that him and Claire Temple are holding the whole Defenders universe together. Yeah. Um, I, I would say like a couple of my other wins. I got one that um, they used a lot, but it's that you know that saying of you know always forward, never back, and that's something that was a particular kind of motif or theme throughout the entire series. Of Luke Cage had some stuff in his past that he tried to run away from. This entire time, this entire sh- this entire season, he's trying to run away from trying to get it back, but it keeps rearing up, rearing up to the point where one of the last kind of scenes, he's like. You know, I've been saying all the, all, you know, always forward, never back. But sometimes you gotta take a, a few steps back to go forward, mm-hmm. as he has yeah. to go back to jail and kind of serve that stuff. And I just think that's an, a, like a powerful, powerful message of people do a lot of shit. People do a lot of kind of messed up stuff, and they kind of want for me. They're kind of afraid to kind of share it and stuff like that. But to have a TV show that's breathing confidence that says, you know, cussing is not the way. You know, sometimes violence isn't the way, and they're just pushing you with a lot of kind of positivity for the particular kind of um, communities that are really riddled with a lot of violence. And um, I had said this before, and I think, Mike, you shut me down really quickly in a group text, but um, especially what's happening into this day of, you know, there's a lot of different kind of shootings, a lot of people being like being killed and all these kind of movements that's happening. For Marvel to come out this year in particular with a show that talks about a black superhero that just so happened to be kind of bulletproof, that was wearing a hoodie with a hood up and at one point there's many scenes of people holding their hands up they never talked about it in the show and i'm glad they didn't because i think it would have went a different way but there definitely is a nod of what are you trying to say and i just think that they're just trying to have a positive image of everything so oh, i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have shut you down because i i actually you, love that you did shut me down you oh, left the group chat when i was right. about to pick this up wait I yeah. left it? Yeah. It was me, you, Because Kyle. he hadn't seen it. Oh, because yeah. I hadn't seen, seen it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was doing I, his own spoiler down. Yeah. yeah. All I said was, it's a, it's a no. bulletproof character. He's like, nope. And then you yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, so I, uh, the only reason, the, like, it's, like, I'm going to immediately defend myself, not to cut you off. Yeah, uh, I immediately defend myself. I actually, I thought it was super heavy-handed, the politics in this show. Like, super. The, the whole hoodie imagery with the bullet holes, like, it was super over the top. But I loved it. I thought that that uh, it is a real issue that we need to face in this country. I'm from the other side, so I know we've joked around with this, but like I'm a white dude, born black dude. I know. <laughs> Spoilers. I know. Spoilers. 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 Holy so, shit! So wait till the TV deal to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't necessarily like I I can't come at it from the other side, but I I still do feel that there is. Um, I hate the all that. Conversation, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I I really hate that phrase. I hate that phrase so much. It's stupid, uh, but I think there's a real issue that we have an over, we have an over aggressive police force in this country, regardless. Um, and I think that it was really powerful and really, it was over the top, but really well done that they came out and had all of this imagery that like people need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was heavy-handed. I thought no. it was... Oh, it was igno- way heavy-handed. But I thought it was acknowledged, which it needs to be acknowledged and understood. And they took the time to understand where these where everybody's coming from that that's causing these frustrations, which I thought it was good. 
they also left it to you be the judge. Yeah. So. I felt like the the imagery. I think what Mike was talking about. And feel free to uh, correct yeah, me, yeah. but the imagery of you know the selling of the T-shirt, the selling of the hoodie. That there's a lot of shots. There's one shot in particular when Luke Cage is kind of robbing the actual club, um, or sorry, he, he's robbing the actual bank where all the money is. That literally he's being shot, 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 yeah, shot, yeah. and he sits there for a moment before he shoots back up. Is just a black guy with a hoodie. You don't see his face. And all you see is just a bunch of bullet holes in him. Yeah. And they I, held on it for a, for a moment. And I, think, I just think the imagery of kind of showing that, but not bringing up any political or any yeah. kind of activist thing about it. Yeah. That's the thing I think they did really well. And much like you were talking about, of, we're just going to leave this here. I feel like it was like, I'm just going to leave this here. I, 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 gonna, I think that's the, I think that's, it was And I'm super... glad they did that because they, they yeah. don't, you don't have to take a stance on whichever. We're just showing you how, hey, Sometimes this actually happens. In our world, we're saying that this happens for this. And they did paint the police pretty poorly in this um, show. But then at the same time, like you had a couple like kind of shining moments of like Missy's character you were talking about. Right. And even well, the character, the, the older uh, cop that caught Luke Cage and said, right. no, I'm going to let you go. Because right. I've been around I think lot. I think that like, I, you raised a good point that I didn't think of, that they never explicitly said... Hey, we're making a Trayvon Martin reference right now. Mm -hmm. Like they never explicitly said it, and I think that you can get away with the the imagery if you don't. Like you said, like if if you take a stance without necessarily uh, verbally taking a stance. And I thought it was over the top, but it was very very well done. Yeah, I mean, one of the scenes in there that I think is most poignant that relates to that is the Method Man scene. That could have been cheesy as fuck, and it yeah. could have been just a cheesy cameo. Mm -hmm. And it starts like that, where he's like, hey, you're double XL? Yeah, sure. I know. I'm already there with you, man. Here you go. I thought that was for the magazine. Yeah. Like the double XL <laughs> magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. I was like, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, I, I, forgot, I, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, no, no, you're right. That was you're right. I was like, no, okay. I yeah. thought for sure. I'm glad that it was, oh, Method Man. Yeah. I'm glad he didn't play a different character because yeah. then I would have been really pissed. Yeah. Like, like, he was like, oh it. shit, Method Man. Yeah. Method Man was like, oh shit, Luke Cage. Yeah, that was awesome. they, I mean, Wu-Tang, I thought was, they're, they're just huge nerds. Like, I'm yeah. doesn't one of them have like a Marvel like pseudonym? Yeah, one teaches physics. Yeah. Well, no, but I thought I thought one not their stage name, but their pseudonyms. I don't even know how that works anymore, but was like a, a Marvel character. And like they they like admitted they loved all this stuff. Like yeah, Kyle's in the Google. Yeah. But with that Method Man scene, it grows into something a lot more. Where he talks about how Luke Cage saved him on Sway's show and stuff, and then you start to see the montage of that convenience store clerk selling the bulletproof hoodies and people buying that and showing like, hey, we're getting confidence from this dude to go walk around. We're not going to cower at police violence or just aggression in our neighborhoods anymore. Well, yeah, the thing about it, though, is uh, it wasn't because of police violence that he had the bullet holes, and that's a pretty big distinction to talk about, yeah. is he was getting shot up by a lot of all the gangsters. Yeah. Uh, I don't think at one point, maybe once or twice, the police shot him. I don't think so. In this yeah, the only place, the the only place the incident, scene. 
Which yeah. one? The one where he he like tosses the guy. The police. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so that's probably why. But when majority he was of the time, already. yeah. But that's like that scene and the way that you show that is that you know that he had to fight to defend himself to get to a point so he can get healthy, right? So right. I feel like they kind of contained that. But them showing all the bullet holes, I thought was from something else and not like a uh, attack against the police. I, I no, I don't think it was an attack against the police. It was more of just like we want to stand up and make our. And represent our neighborhood in a positive light. Well, so I think the biggest thing that they showed in this is a sense of community. And I think that you... I, I mean, both sides of it, that you can attack it from. Cottonmouth was a community person. Uh, Mario... Mario, right? Uh, Maria? Mariah. 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 I knew I was pronouncing it wrong. Mariah, again, sense of community. Luke Cage, sense of community. Misty Knight, sense of community. Yeah. And I think yeah. nothing underscores it better than that final fight that, like, you have the cops on one side that, you know, they had that tussle on, like, hey, we really should be shooting them and, like, trying to put them down. But they didn't in the end because they were New York cops that had worked those beats, knew those people. You had the people in the streets that, again, knew Luke Cage. Had, that's where they lived their lives and everything. And and so you had this sense of community to move forward. And I think that's realistically like what we need to do. I don't think that... I completely don't think violence is the solution. But I also don't think that like a distrust in civil servants is not the solution either. And I think that Luke Cage, quietly, because again, they didn't say... They didn't say, hey, cops are pigs. We need to fight actively against them. They really, really, and I think Misty, this is the best part about Misty Knight, was blurred the lines between, like, the black and Latino and minority communities and then, like, the police force. With Misty Knight just right, right in the middle. Yeah. And I, I think it really showed, you know, what this country needs to do to heal in that we need to connect those two communities rather than ostracize each other. I mean, they had, like, some strong, strong black female characters because Misty Knights, her boss was another black female, like, police chief. And then later on, you have another black female police chief that comes on top of her. And then yeah. you have Mar uh, Mariah's character, who is this huge kingpin that's kind of running stuff. But She was, part, she was yeah. really interesting. But the part of the community you're talking about, you can see that it's all centered around this character that was played um, by, you know, Henry Hunter or Pop. And yeah. the way that he got his name is from him fighting people and the sound that it makes when he hits somebody. That is not a good image at all to get his no. name from. But then the way that he's like, he is like this beacon of hope and his barbershop is, you know, holy. for Switzerland. Like, yeah, exactly. No, so no. I like, I just like, I do like that aspect and I like the whole turning point when the barbershop shot up and everybody is freaking out. Like, what? What do you mean? The entire sort of funeral sequence is also well. The show. funeral sequence, I think, was the high point of that entire show. For sure. Yeah. Just cutting back into the reference, Ghostface Killer was Tony Stark's. Yeah, I, I knew is. one of them had had that name. Yeah, Ghostface Killer was. Oh, he's a Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah, Tony as, as every Wu Tang Killer, Wu Tang Clan member, is just like. AKA, AKA, like they all have. Yeah, I, I couldn't they, remember they which one few, was. They had a handful on deck, but uh, yeah. just wanted to make sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that in terms of, was that your kind of untouched on wins? I know you had a couple that people had already mentioned. I mean, I was going to go back to, to Black Mariah and how she, like, she had this part where when she first started out she was like oh come on do we have to do the criminal thing like mm. I don't want you guys doing like putting your money in my like house and like 
And over time, she started snowballing into this character, which by the end of the series, like the first season, she'd become pure, full-blooded evil. Mm. And I was like, that's such a cool character arc to see somebody go from, like, trying to be on the legit and being like, I don't even want to deal with you guys. To the point where she's like, okay, well, I guess I guess this is who I am. Like, yeah. Yeah. your mother. I'll exactly. take her money, but not your notoriety. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it was interesting, because this... I, I feel like this series did better than any of the other Marvel villains, because, like, they weren't villains, per se. They were... Well, Fisk. Fisk is probably still the best. Yeah, but Fisk at his core was still... Well, Fisk was a good character, but I like this because there were more victims of circumstance than anything I thought else. Fisk was... Yeah. He, he genuinely... Well, and this is just a counter-argument, um, not like fact. I thought he genuinely thought he was doing right by Hell's Kitchen... And that he thought his way was the best way to go forward. And that's what made him interesting. That he was counteracting Daredevil, who also thought his way was the way to go forward. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It was like right against right. Right. And I think that... I'll agree with you that I think that it was very well done. That strong convictions and a sense of goodness while doing evil is what... Marvel's Netflix series are best at. I mean, in the end of the series, Luke Cage gets carted away in a police cruiser. Yep. Like, that's... I mean, it's interesting if you yeah. look at it that and, way. And uh, Mariah's free to go. Yeah. She's gonna be a big thing. Technically, she won. Oh. Yeah. She Zemo'd it. She <laughs> kind of halfway stumbled into... Uh, no, Zemo had a better plan. Zemo had a better plan. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Those were my wins, right? Really. I, I, think, I think Fisk acted it better, but that's literally it. Same character, same type of character. Uh, in terms, so wrap up wins uh, and then to transition into criticisms. Uh, one person we haven't talked about at all, uh, Claire Temple. My God, what amazing. an amazing, amazing, amazing like piece of American history. Rosario Dawson. I was watching that. She's so convincing. She plays a range, like she plays a badass who's also kind of like. Uh, vulnerable, cause, you know, because she's not a super-powered person, but, like, she's a badass like one of those people. Uh, she's smart, but, like, she has no idea what's going on. Like, uh, the range is incredible on her. Um, and then plus the whole, like, Night Nurse thing, which they literally, I love that they said. Because the whole thing about going into Doctor Strange is that Rachel McAdams is supposed to be literally Night Nurse. And very recently... They've said that she isn't, and that they name-dropped Claire Temple as Night Nurse in Luke Cage. So it's a, it's a hell of a... They, like, literally, uh, uh, Feige was on record saying, Hey, you can't call Claire Temple Night Nurse because we want her for the movies. That quote-unquote character. So that's where Claire Temple comes from. Yeah, but, but what's his... Like, Doctor Strange's wife, Clara, is yeah. a very yep. big yep. character. And so... I agree. And so, going into it, apparently... And I don't know, we haven't seen Doctor Strange yet. This might change in two weeks when we actually do the, the review. But apparently, um, they relinquished control on it. And that Rachel McAdams is not going to be Night Nurse. And Claire Temple is officially going to don that manner. Yeah. In two yeah. weeks when we do the Doctor Strange review, this might all be true. And then... If there's a... Night Nurse, that's not Rosario Dawson and Doctor Strange. That movie gets all Matt F. 
And the funny part is Rosario Dawson has the star power to make the jump between TV show and movie very easily. No one's going to... I mean, Mike Coulter, maybe Charlie Cox, maybe, like, you'd maybe question them being in a movie role. Rosario Dawson, no. No one's going to say, like, who is that actress? And kudos to Marvel for, like, the four... These four series giving that character the time and the pace it needs to, like... Start where she gets thrown into a world where she's like, what the fuck is going on here? To her actually finally accepting, like, you know what? These people are cool. I want to help them out. I want to be part mm. of the club. So yeah. it's really cool. Um, I guess my... I have two slash three wins. One, it was part of a grounded universe. Uh, after Daredevil with the, the ninjas in the middle part, like, I needed something, which we talked about a little bit beforehand... I needed something that was grounded in reality. Jessica Jones had the great oversight on, like, the kind of, I don't know, the, the bigger social topic of abuse on women. And depending on where you fall on that, like, again, I'm, we're not down for a podcast. It's not a political podcast at all. But I thought it, it gave a good shadowing into that, like, that whole world and really portrayed it well. Same thing with Luke Cage and, like, the portrayal of the black community in the public. Like a, in versus Daredevil hanging out with ninjas. You, it was it was it was nice to see that very grounded dark reality again. Uh, speaking of dark, um, the exact contrary to that, I thought that it was nice to finally get an episode or a season of Netflix with bright colors. The yellow was amazing. There was a yellow tinge to everything, and so coming from Jessica, where everything was purple. And then uh, uh, Daredevil, which was all black and red. It was it was just nice to see something with a different color palette. Like yeah. that was cool. And it was enjoyable to see him like kind of accidentally fall into his seventies costume. Oh my god, that was. It's like a little wink and a nod. Yeah. And his yeah, reflections totally. on how it was terrible. Yeah, like, he was just like, yeah. like pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool to see. Uh, but again, like being able to watch that on like I, I watched it all on my computer, um, which made no sense because I have it on a smart TV, but whatever. Uh, and it still was, uh, it, you know, it was very, you know, all the other shows were very darked out, but this one was very easy to see what was going on. My last win was kind of a weird one, and uh, I think we're going to transition to criticisms immediately afterwards. Um, I liked the Cottonmouth fakeout. It was very much in the vein of Psycho, where you in the, all the commercials, you, you built up the guy who was under the biggie face with the crown on his head as the main mastermind villain. This is the guy you gotta work out for. This is the Wilson Fist. This is the uh, uh, the Purple Man, and you like this is the big bad. And then when what was it? Episode six or seven when they killed him off. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. I thought that was incredible. They they literally built him see, up. The fact that they had mentioned Diamondback. That the fact that he was mentioned even in the first episode, I was like, okay, Big Bad's coming soon, and he's gonna totally knock out Cottonmouth. I didn't think I thought so. I thought that it was on a upward projection for Cottonmouth. I thought the only reason they brought him up was that he was eventually gonna rebel. Um, I thought he was eventually gonna take that over. And so maybe this was a difference in expectations, but I thought that they were building him up to be the ultimate Big Bad, and. He was played, he was acted, written so well that I was like, all right, this is the person I'm emotionally invested in, and this is the person I care about 
But you brought it up earlier, like, he gets, he loses shit to thugs and blah, blah, blah. Like, they show all of those points of weakness, and you're like, okay, but he's still a strong character. Then you, it's a, it's a classic comic book. You have somebody well, Wilson, stronger take out a strong character. Wilson Fisk well. lost the Russians and beat one of their heads in. Yeah, because so Wilson, Wilson Fisk, Fisk is also physically capable Wilson. of demolishing people right. in this way, but the, also has the, the smarts and... What Cottonmouth has is the bravado. And he's like, yeah, I'm the big shit. I'm on top. Right. Which by that way. That but he can't, he can't right. follow right. through with those. But the point points. is that we've seen our supervillains getting taken over before. Yeah, and it's awesome that they did this like little fake out. with. Like, I, th- I thought it was really, really well done. That it, it literally brought you up to this is who the main person is. And then... Never mind. Yeah, and I like that your Luke Cage versus Cottonmouth moment is speeches given at a funeral parlor. That was the best. Well, I said it earlier. That was the yeah. best scene yeah. in the oh, like the entire. So that episode started with Claire Temple beating up someone on the streets and ends with them giving dual monologues in a in a, a church. The best episode of the series, right there. Yeah, I would say one of my favorite scenes is the thug holding the gun to Luke Cage's back of his head was. Standing in front of the community center. Mm. Just that monologue that he gives to the kid. And the kid's just like, I don't care. Yeah, I'm going to kill you because I'm going to rob you. Type of thing. And just the dichotomy, dichotomy about helping a community that has struggles and needs help. And his reluctance to be that superhero. But he knows he can do good for him. Yeah. I would, I would like to say, transitioning to uh, criticisms... I didn't like that that Diamondback was the brother. Yeah. I hated that. It 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 gave us too little time to care about him. Yeah. I really didn't care. And I really like that actor for Diamondback. That's Me a too. really good actor and I was hoping that Diamondback would have stayed a shadowy figure that you just hear about. And I thought that would have made him more, more powerful for Well, they, that I think my feeling was that they should have done a better job establishing his hatred or just like having that really be like I hate you I have this against you you did this you did this and not have that necessarily that big like yeah I am your brother like not you know it's it's it was too it was too Darth Vader-esque in the sense it's like big thing now go fall into a garbage pit <laughs> but, but if it was some rando it was some rando yeah crazy. at that point you, did, you didn't know who was. He was just he was just the insane villain that Luke Cage had to take down, and I weirdly think that the lack of emotional connection would have worked out better. I, I just didn't I didn't care that it was his brother. We could have gone to his old family house in season two. We could explore that yeah. hopefully yeah. in Heroes they for Hire. Like also, extended that out for sure. Yeah, I was hoping Diamondback would have been saved for season two, and that. You would still have like this shadowy Diamondback figure, and that like when even when Cottonmouth dies, and um, Black Mariah starts becoming Black Mariah, Shade saying things like Diamondback was pleased with what you did, and that's where he starts to giving her that tutelage, and having the end be like, are oh, you got a Black Mariah that has an agenda to go after Luke Cage at the end, and that's like, boom. Wait for season two. I thought right. that would have been a lot. Right. I, yeah, I just, because really it forced him to rush They the rushed story. his whole arc in. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, all right, this is Diamondback. In the next three episodes, you're going to learn everything about Diamondback. Yeah. The I, super I, suit looked stupid, by the way. The what? The oh. super suit 
Wow, it what looked, a terrible no, design. But it looks so hammer tech. Like, that's it, it. I thought it looked stupid as hell, but then I was just like, the whole time I was like, hey, they've been referencing hammer tech, and hammer yeah. tech is like the, like the knockoff Tony Stark. That looks like a knockoff Tony Stark. Yeah. Like, that's right, the that's only, fair. I that's wasn't, fair. it looks stupid as hell, I'll agree with you, but it's hammer tech. That's all I gotta say. It's, right. it's supposed to look stupid. Um, I guess in the other criticism, I mean, that was the main one. I just, I really wasn't emotionally involved in the whole family storyline. Um, I thought that, uh, one of the things that we could have gone into instead of this was Black Mariah's whole, like, well, can he be poisoned? Can he be drowned? Right. Can he be electrocuted? Yeah. I thought that would have been yeah. a way more interesting to watch her trying to kill him non-conventionally. Almost like a black widow. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Long wink. This is a segue into the one thing that pissed me off the most. <laughs> you have a show about a guy who is bulletproof. It's like his claim to fame, and then you make bullets that shoot him. Yeah, like, it's magic bullets. Like magic. Like, I don't... I liked it when it was like, okay, we have this one bullet... And this is like a super expensive, it's worth a billion dollars, like it would bankrupt, like uh, Cottonmouth is going to be bankrupt just getting one of these bullets. And you're like, wow, okay, that's crazy. And then they're like, oh, never mind, we're going to make sure that all of the police officers have like 500 rounds of this shit. Like, oh, forget everything that we talked about. It ruins the fundamental point of the character is that he is in uh, like unharmable. Mm. And, like, that's, if you're taking the super out of a superhero thing of, like, and, and it's, it's like Superman with kryptonite. Like, it's, you don't have to have a kryptonite story to tell a good Superman story. You can have, like, Luke tell Cage. Tell the GCEU. Right? You can have <laughs> Luke Cage, like, jump in front of something, a bullet ricochets off of him and hits a toddler. That's a story. Yeah, well, that was the whole That's thing about it. Pops was, like... Right? It ricocheted off of him. It ricocheted off of him and killed Pops. That's a good fucking story. Not, like... And that was a great scene. Right? Yeah. And and so, when she started introducing, like, okay, now every bad guy and their brother, in the first season, has a gun that can put down Luke Cage, the bulletproof man, yeah. mm. then he's just... Like, I, like, I, honestly, it's like, what we were point? talking about, I liked the super suit. I liked someone that could take a punch like Cage... Because it was going with the traditional Marvel storyline, where the villain has the same powers as the hero. It was a great thing to see that, like, oh, he has a super suit that can take a punch and also dish it out. Right. And I thought the way that he beat Diamondback was also very inventive, where he took purposely took a huge beating to be able to weaken the guy's suit and put him down. Right. Great. Using, using Diamondback's own advice. Right. G- great. Great way of ending it. I didn't even didn't need him to be family. And I agree with you. I didn't need that. I didn't think they should have introduced the Judas bullet. Well, the Judas bullet just having one. Like okay, this is like you know it's made from vibranium and make like, it whatever, season two though. Like, yeah. Make it season two. Yeah. Make it like some bad guy and then him because. I think, spoiler alert, but they're not doing season two of Iron Fist or Luke Cage. Hmm. They're doing Heroes for Hire. Alright. Which I am way more excited for. I, I would think, rather I see think, Iron I Fist and, and uh, Luke Cage just teaming up and doing the bro. I think. They, they've like, they're not official on this, but I'm pretty sure they said that. It's like a rush that, hour on steroids. Right. So I think that, like, but that would be so cool that, like, 
to see those two say, hey, Luke, I don't think you can go on this mission. These guys have the Judas bullet, which will kill you. Danny, I don't know if I can handle this alone. You know, like, you could have played that. Instead, you kind of, like, you're right, you you pulled out Kryptonite in the first date. Exactly. It's like, why introduce Kryptonite in the first freaking episode? Like, it just takes away everything that makes Luke Cage, like, interesting as a superhero. Right. Right. Luke Cage. Right. Superhero. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, but I think Black Mariah was on point with, like, you. there's other ways to kill her. Oh, yeah. And I think that would have been... Would have loved to see that explored. Like, those sentences, I was like, I like, didn't even think about those ways. Oh, like, yeah, let's do yeah, it. Because just, like, like try it. Just right, it. right. And I think they set her up for, like, being a really cool villain in the future, and maybe they do, like, those alternative ways to kill him in the... Like, in those... That setting. But, like, it's kind of cheapened when the fact that you can just shoot him. Right. Like, you know, like, there's no... Why poison him? Because that's way harder. By the way, you can't poison Luke Cage or drown him or anything like that. Well, but they don't know it. Spoilers. Spoilers. So, in the but, comics, at least. <laughs> in the comics. Yeah. Because he has... He's he basically invulnerable. Yeah, he's invulnerable cells. So, if right. you throw him in water, his he can't... <clears throat> absorb the water he just dies but then when you pump the water out he's just like back up and going right but that, that would have been cool to see right that like they try and do that in episode 9 he just kind of they, you know clarify pushes on his chest a couple times and he just <gasps> oh, back up and going right he is essentially and that's the other thing they hinted like what if you're immortal like they even say that at one point like we don't even know if you get old like right. that's an interesting plot like I mean granted it's not part of the Luke Cage mythos, but that was a fascinating thing to bring up. Right. But he was able to shave his beard and cut his hair. Yeah, that's true. Maybe his hair's not steel, but... <laughs> um, I think that... So, that was a, that was a big criticism. It sounds, it sounds like we have, it sounds like we have very... But, what? No, you're right. Hmm? Never mind. What's your criticism, guy? Nope. It was asking if he had shaved... Before, after the experiment, that I remembered exactly, it was after. Yeah. It was after the escape. I I liked a lot of the. Sh- I liked the majority of the entire show. There's probably two. I see. I got one that I've written down, and another one that was kind of a kind of question mark. Um, the the shades character was a bit of a question mark for me. Uh, Are you kidding me? I love shades. That's that's fine. I just thought that well, especially was I supposed screwed over. Well, my I think my, I guess I was going into it saying that was I supposed to know who you are before this or not? And it was just very it was a little like it was confused because I wasn't sure if it was something building up to something more. But because when they in, then introduced the uh, character of uh, Diamondback, and I was like, oh oh, so they've already introduced him. So are you building to something? Now, I'm I'm just confused. Shades like, felt like a Deus Ex Machina to lead to like. I mean, move the plot along a little bit. Yeah. I mean, but visually, he's a stunning character just with those glasses and the suit. He was. And he was a really. But cool. you want to know more about who this dude is? Yeah, but we don't. And I yeah, guess that's one of the that. criticisms I have is we don't get that. Like he had a he had a, a relation with kind of Luke Cage while they were in prison that kind of just got lost over. And so I'm like, oh, so he's not a super person and all. That's fine. Is he the master? Oh, he's not... Eh, he kind of plans pretty well. Okay. He has shades, but I'm not sure why because it's always inside. But okay, that's fine. Whatever. Like, well, well, I, I, my thing about it is like this character's kind of come up from uh, a bit of nowhere for me and I wasn't sure of why he was there besides kind of moving the plot along because if you take him out of the actual story, I think the story can just be just 
as it is right now. He doesn't have to be there. And I think that's the biggest criticism I have of, like, what truly, what did he do? Like, he started coaching Mariah at the end, and I kind of see that, but that could have been done by somebody who's already there. They developed a relationship. Yeah, they, but they focus a lot on him bringing down the specialist and, like, I'm going to bring somebody down. Like, they focus a lot of him early and then kind of forgot about him, then he comes back later and well, then kind of wraps up. They built him up to be a lieutenant for Diamondback, but... Yeah, you they, said this, like, a yeah, but at the at the end, you find out Diamondback just kind of works by his, himself yeah. and doesn't have like well, the way they structured that was weird because if you found out that Shade was Shades was just another lieutenant in six or seven of them, and then they led up to Diamondback, it would have made sense. I guess the thing that I guess was really kind of caused this criticism for me is when Shades is talking to. Um, Crap, not Diamondback, but uh, Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth, and clearly he's smarter than Cottonmouth. Yeah, I'm here for this reason because you don't know what you're doing, so let me advise you. I got that. He's advising Mariah. I got that. I don't think he should have been advising Cotton. Uh, no, I don't think he should have been advising um, Diamondback. And Diamondback's doing like some dumb stuff, and he's like not doing what he should. Whoa. And now at one point he's like, "You shouldn't be doing this." He's like, "No, I'm gonna do it my own." I was like, "Well." This is what he's meant to do to be smarter than everybody else. I thought at least you being the boss would be at least smarter than him. But is he kind of guilty with revenge or he's kind of need to get back to Luke Cage? I'm not sure. And so that's why it's a bit of a little bit inconsistency for, for that. And that's the only reason why that's my bit of a criticism. I mean, that was, that was my biggest criticism was the character of Diamondback. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that plays entirely into that point where like it just was, it was structured really weird. Did you have? Do you have something else? Yeah, I mean, the only other criticism I do have is like the fight choreography was not good. Um, oh man, I Jessica, it. was, I it was Jessica Jones ish. No, yeah, I, like I, I dug it. Like no, Luke Cage would just like slap a dude, the guy. Who yeah, just falls but down. I, I mean, like looking at this and going back from like it was so close to Jessica Jones, but I was confused of why it's not more like Daredevil, like. Because he doesn't, ha he doesn't have to be. He's I'll give the defense to it. But, he's he's like, he's but he is, uh, he is police trained to he's fight for... He's military trained. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's what it is. He's military trained, so he should at least know how to fight. But and he, he doesn't is, need to. Yes, but he, did, he didn't do... He was not fighting. It didn't look like he knew how to fight in this show. Well, I mean, the only fight that mattered that he should have showed it off was the last one. But, but they kind of revealed the whole, like, the trick to beating Diamondback. Again, I, I, I agree with you. Sorry. Yeah. To, I agree with you. The, the choreography was a little bit weird. Um, I just wanted more of a, like, we're in New York. We're talking about all this stuff here. Have a fight choreographer teach this guy some boxing moves. He was a former cage fighter yeah, for well, years. Well, even like, there's a scene in which there is a boxing ring in one of the actual scenes. He should have at least been at least specializing in some sort of hell, boxing. I, I would have like loved it if they yeah. came out and just... Kareem Abdul Jabbar it and just made him like a kung fu master. Oh, I was like, all y'all that don't know, Kareem Abdul Jabbar actually starred in a Bruce Lee movie. He was taught yeah. by Bruce Lee. Yeah, because yeah, he was taught by Bruce Lee. Huge fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would have been, I would, to tie it back to the Marvel Universe, Don Cheadle was uh, Freddie Crenshaw hmm. from Rush Hour 2. <laughs> and he was a, he was uh, he was very he was a uh, adept martial artist. Um, but I mean that that would be like my biggest criticism. Like I was really hoping that they'll go more of a you know Daredevil 
his father was a boxer. He was a boxer. His fighting style was not all boxing. It was a very mixed kind of style. Was stick. Yeah, for sure. So I was hoping that we'll get like now. This is another New York. This is a black. Uh, it's a black eyed New York. Give me a lot of boxing references. Like I want you to be a boxer. At least sway, kind of move, parry. You don't have to knock everybody out, but at least parry and do a couple of knockout punches to disable people. That's what I was hoping that would happen. But he kind of punched him and just throw, throw. I was like, ah, I don't like this choreography. I think I think oh. the choreography looked a little stiff. Even I, I liked the fact that he didn't because he didn't dodge because he didn't have to, mm. and so I kind of liked the aesthetic of it. But I didn't like that it was still wasn't fluid. Like, and I don't know if that's because they had to wire up everyone to, like, make them fly away like they did. And that's why it wasn't fluid. But, like, it was the same thing with Jessica Jones. And it just looked stiff. And I can understand why he didn't have to move fluidly. And I think that's what we're going to get in Iron Fist. I think that you're going to get a nice dichotomy between Daredevil... Iron Fist, and then Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. It, like, yeah. yeah. A good choreography sandwich. Yeah, and I think or, that... It, or a bad choreography sandwich uh, served on good choreography bread. Right, right, exactly. I think you'll get that, and it'll be kind of cool, That's but... Sandwiches work more. Oh, I love sandwiches. She <laughs> <laughs> uh, caught me up. One, one last thing, and this is small. Um, I would have loved to see a Defenders tie-in. They're, they made a very big point at the end of Daredevil Season 2, which we talked about earlier that like I guess they took place at the same time, so whatever, maybe it's not that. But Matt makes it a point to say that if Claire's in trouble, he will be there. And there was one scene where she gets kidnapped in uh, like the Harlem Paradise. Mm-hmm. That would have been a perfect scene. You don't even need to address it. You just need to have someone dressed in red pop in, beat the hell out of a couple henchmen, and then leave. They had some good teases, though. They like, had, they so had, like, when she says, I know a good lawyer. Yeah, which she mentioned twice, yeah. Right. No, no, there was good teases, but they made it a point to say, like, when Matt, literally, Matt, like, that. I, this is another criticism, that the fact that Luke and Claire ended up together, I don't know, I don't like that. Because, like, Luke, uh, not Luke, uh, Matt and Claire were hooking up at the end of Daredevil, kind of-ish. Like They were. They, yeah, so I, I would have loved to have seen the whole, that developed in, like, you don't even need to pay Charlie Cox. You just have to pay his stunt double. And just have him come in, beat the hell out of a couple goons, get her the hell out of that situation, and say, hey, so. you got this from here. <laughs> but, you know, like, you could, like, <laughs> you know, like literally... We really pay the writers to take care of that part. <laughs> but, like, they, they just, they look at, so. you know, you could, have a, you could have a cool scene where they beat the hell out of a couple people for about four seconds... And then Matt's like, well, I got what I came here. I don't really care about what you're doing. It's not my neighborhood. Yeah, but you could play, you could play into the neighborhood divide that they all have and say, this is not my battle. I'm, I'm done with this. They did have a cool little, like, teaser for Iron Fist at the end, though, that I really liked. When Misty Knight grabs the self-defense lesson poster off. Colleen Wing. And it's Colleen Wing. Yeah. yeah. But... No, I know, I know, but like... Well, you know they're lovers in the comics, right? Misty Knight and Iron Fist. I did Spoilers. Know. Yeah, spo- Spoilers. whatever. Sorry, guys. That's <laughs> fine. But it... No, no, I don't care. I, I thought that was um, coming off, sorry. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought you could have you could have so easily had uh, Daredevil show up in that scene and not had any 
any sort of impact going forward from that or how that scene resolved. And based on the character knowledge we have of Claire Temple, it would have made sense for him to show up in that place. I don't know. That was I. It's a long shot. I know contracts and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I was stuff. gonna say a lot of lot of red tape. But, but but again, you don't have to pay Charlie Cox. You just have to pay a stunt person to show up in his his getup. So I don't know. That was that was the last thing. I mean, so nitpick nitpick. Mm-hmm. Of course, the whole Diamondback thing was way bigger. But I would love love to see it. Kyle Browland. Um, I went over my criticisms because overall I fucking love this show. Kyle, any criticisms? I literally, my first gut reaction, because it's been a little while since I've stepped away from it, and it was going to be that it could use a little more MCU immersion, but then as we discussed, there was more than I even thought there were, and then even in my own reflection, there was tons, so... I redact that entirely, and so uh, mostly the idea like the kryptonite one is a very, very good point. Yeah, right. yeah, you, you can explore it other ways to kill him before you establish. No, this is how. This is how you beat him. This is how you beat him. You make a lot of these, and you beat him. Like it was just too easily in a box. But I don't have. How, how do you stop the bulletproof man? You get a better bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, I think we should uh, we should talk about some conclusions. Um. Like, where do we want to kind of rate this from a, like, a story standpoint? Like, what's your letter grade? Also, like, where do you think it stands in the, the MCU and the MCU TV in general? Um, uh, my overall thoughts for the entire show, this show's great. The show's phenomenal. Definitely go watch it. Um, going into this one, like, I wouldn't really look at any other reviews or ratings because I know a lot of people talks about a lot of stuff we already said, like kind of political views and stuff like that. Just go in with an open mind just to enjoy a show. This show talks about a lot of communities, talks about a lot of positivity, but it also talks about people that have done some bad things, much like the... Um, the uh, Henry character, or Pop's character that we're talking about, Luke Cage, you know, Cottonmouth, and uh, even Misty. So, like, it does kind of bring up a lot of this sort of, like, hey, we have a lot of stuff in our past, but at the same time, we're overcoming it, and you can be a much better person after. So that's something that's a particular kind of big theme, you know, that moving forward or always forward, that's a huge theme this entire time. So I would definitely say kind of keep in mind for that. Uh, and definitely go just, like, watch the show, like, I definitely think it will help talking about this show as you watch each episode. I binge watched this show, I think, in a day, less than a day. And I didn't talk about it at all until it was all over. And then I wanted to talk about it with somebody, and it was tough because nobody seen it at the time. So I would say, uh, I guess, some dialogue. And I think that's something that I've been noticing more and more of the episodes, that just the shows that we watch, is having dialogue in between each episode. Um is probably kind of have like a deeper understanding and more of appreciation of the art style that you need from it and kind of going through each and every episode. So that's something I just took a life for it. Um, as in, I know we're going to talk about ratings all throughout of Marvel. Um, t- like, let's do Marvel shows. If I have to say, well, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and, you know, Luke Cage. Uh, so I would say Daredevil Season 1, uh, Luke Cage, and then I don't care after that. Because I didn't really like Daredevil season two, wow. and, I didn't, and I didn't finish oh, wow. it. So. Fair enough. So what would you give it on like an entertainment rating basis? We doing what we doing? Like school a, grades? A, or yeah, doing, school school grades. Uh, Luke Cage. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's an A plus. Okay. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Right. Daredevil one and Luke Cage is like almost neck and neck. 
That's fair. I like Daredevil just because of the fight choreography, which we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, so I like Daredevil just a little... Season one, I like Daredevil season one because of the fight choreography, and then Luke Cage. Because that scene, I mean, that continuous kind of shot scene yeah. in the Daredevil season Hallway. one was like, whew! Um, but I just like everything else that Luke Cage should have brought up. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I would say I actually still hold Daredevil 1 and 2 mm-hmm. higher than this. But this was better than Jessica Jones. Fair enough. I can care. What's yeah. your What's your grade? I would give it a B plus. Right. I would say, like, I, I've been ragging on it. But honestly, it was a very good. I enjoyed it all the way through. I was never bored. I was surprised at points, which I enjoyed. And yeah, it was a good time. B plus. Kyle, because you seem to have the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I might, I, like, I'd bump it up to like an A minus. I enjoyed it that much more, like that smidgen more. But rankings, I, I entirely, one hundred percent agree. I even love the way, like, at first I was unhappy with the last episode because it just seemed like it. Oh well, that's resolved, and it's only been like fifteen minutes. But then it may managed to like establish a whole bunch of new conflicts, hmm. and then kind of ends on the like those threads to be like. Yeah, we're not sure. This is this is how we're ending it, versus like the other couple seasons, which have been more of like a. All right, we we did it. We got it. We we got it all over and done with this this goal. I guess we'll just kind of like tease at how life is gonna move on from here. Versus like that was like it, it would it the other Daredevil Jessica Jones ended on a big tension that like wrapped up pretty neatly. This one wrapped up pretty neatly and then established next tension. And then left you like well, where it is. So that's why I'm gonna give it the B plus the A minus because it was like I really liked that ending and that's a win that I forgot to mention till now. But that's my reasoning for it. Do you think? Do you think Iron Fist gets Luke Cage out of prison? Who do you think gets Luke Cage well, out of prison? That's that's the thing. When you leave it on there, and also now with this extra knowledge, I didn't know there wasn't gonna be a season two. I, was, I think like, don't quote. That's, so no, that's listen, fine. Listen, that's listen, fine. Don't quote me, but I, I'm pretty but sure the showrunners said that they were doing it's years Iron from Fist. Than defenders, so it's, well, going, no, no, but it's going to happen seasons, between. Yeah, but it has to happen between defenders too. I think it's the old guy from the barber shop that picks up the folder with the evidence. <laughs> he gets him out of prison. Well, no, because I think it's an easy way. If you have Luke Cage in jail, then you have Daredevil get hired to defend him in jail, mm-hmm. who then hires Jessica Jones to find the evidence to get Luke with out of Jerry jail. Jerry Hogarth in the middle. Yeah, it's that's how you get it all together, and then you have Danny uh, Danny Rand show up and finance the whole thing. Yeah, like that's that's how you you get them all together in one room. Uh, spoilers to everyone besides the writers who are writing that right now, Jesse. Just that's how I would. Do it. <laughs> that's how I would that's do exactly it. That's yes. exactly how it all works. Yeah. No, but really, no, no, that's a really really good idea. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Well, so but, but, but you should uh, you should substitute uh, Daredevil with Foggy. Because Foggy works for Hogarth now. No, because uh, what's her name? Claire Temple knows Daredevil. Yeah, so but she's gonna go to I him think the really good lawyer, the lawyer that she was talking about was Foggy. And so then when yeah. he needs a lawyer, lawyer, he's like, Matt's I need like, to hire a detective. Oh, I know somebody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, Claire Temple... just usually go to Matt and Matt be like, no, Foggy's the real guy now. He's the one you need. This goes back to the fact that... But, uh, uh, let me Claire... know if you want some ass kicked. <laughs> and then Frank Castle we'll comes out. Just yeah, then Frank, Frank Castle. Well, I can't wait for that. Like, Misty Knight, Frank Castle, uh, Trish, and uh, Colleen Wing just teaming up as the B-team, just swearing at each other. Like, like I, Misty Knight and Frank Castle are going to make the... 
best team up ever. Oh, that's another win. Uh, Trish was in Luke Cage. She was. She was. The voiceover the, work. The, in, that was the MCU me- or immersion. Yep. Ooh, that's amazing. another one. That's that's one of the ones I remembered. Yeah. But like when you were talking about Tarek, I was like, oh yeah, and Trish was like totally the voice yeah. in that episode. He just like it starts out with him running. I was like, yes, okay. Yeah. She. I, and the Justin Hammer stuff, etc. Et yeah. It was so. It was probably honestly the most MCU emerged anything. Yeah, which like, is why. I was more like, than the movies. I was going to say this, and then I was like, I'm very wrong, so I don't even <laughs> want to say it. It was like that in Civil War, which starred every single movie character ever yeah. created. Um, so, Brown, why don't you give us our last thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it an A+. Um, this, a. this by far is, when I look at the Netflix shows, I'm going to put this at the very top, ahead of Daredevil 1 and 2, and shortly... Followed by Jessica Jones. And the spread between all of those is very, very, very small. Mm. Maybe a little big of a gap between Daredevil 2 and Jessica Jones, but it is so minuscule because they're doing just amazing work on Netflix right now. Uh, But I got to give it to Luke Cage just because the story's the most unconventional one they've told so far, and the acting was just top-notch every step of the way. Mm. And... I'm excited more about seeing the Defenders than the next Avengers movie right now. I'd say, I'm I'd say false. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like not looking forward to. I mean, not looking. I mean, I'll see it. I'll probably enjoy it. But am I really super excited to see another Avengers right now? I would say yes. Not really. <laughs> they take on Thanos because and it's all of them. Because you crazy son of a gun. <laughs> but. Have the defenders team up and these characters. So the funny part is, and just to see, and they announced Sigourney Weaver oh, yeah. as the main bad guy in the yeah. defenders. That's going whoever she plays. Who knows? I have ideas. Who do you think? Who do you think? I think she'd be an amazing Mephisto. And that would actually bring... That's, that's yeah, talk. Yeah. That would bring... Defenders that would bring street level. Yeah. kind of... He can still mm. dabble in the streets and bring that supernatural element nah, to it. It's got to go street level, Which man. is something that they've never seen before and, like, say, how can we figure this out? I'm excited about the Defenders more than the Avengers right now. Mar- Netflix is where Marvel is killing it. I am... Well, I mean, Marvel's killing it everywhere, pretty much. Thanks. Except, I mean, like, Agents of Sealed is I'm not. I'm starting like, to see the chase in the armor of the Marvel movies. That's what I'm saying. Really? Civil War. Oh, yeah, you know. hated it, Civil War. No, I didn't You thought that Civil War was the worst movie ever. No, I thought I forgot so. about that. No, I never said that. Fun fact Brian thinks that Civil War <laughs> is worse than The Room. Oh, yeah. oh, he yeah. literally laughs at Civil War because it is so bad it's funny. He, he no, like a, Batman versus Superman uh, more than Civil War. Uh, not true. <laughs> <laughs> That's revisionist history. <laughs> Let's play the tapes. Official. <laughs> play, play the audio. Official. <laughs> I was not here for the Civil War podcast, so. Alright. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I see what you're like. Great I'm, movie. I'm very much. Changes. I can see the. I can see the. Um, the age of the Marvel movie uh, blueprint. And I want to see them freshen it up, shake it up. 13 bit. through 77. That's the that's the Marvel movie blueprint. 13 through 77. <laughs> <laughs> if you're 78, you're kind of shit out of luck. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what was I going to say? So, yeah, I, I... 
I have a different take than I feel like all of y'all. Um, sorry to borrow your vernacular. It's fun. Um, I give it like a B plus, A minus. I agree with you that there is a very, very small standard deviation for these shows. They are very, very close to each other. I thought that uh, Jessica Jones, and this is the hot take, Jessica Jones was the best show Marvel's created. I thought that it got a little bit slow towards the end, and I'll agree with that. But I think that what they did with that character was the most interesting thing I maybe have ever seen on television. Like, and it was well acted. It was terrifying. Like, Purple Man was a horrifying villain. Um, and plus the addition of Luke Cage as the love interest and the supporting characters. So, weirdly enough, hot take, Jessica Jones is the best thing that I've seen out of their, like, television win. Um, I also thought that Daredevil 1 was better. I thought that Daredevil plus Punisher was better. Probably Daredevil plus Elektra. You know, you can divide the, that series into two parts. That was worse. Um, but Luke Cage pro it was Luke Cage was better than that, but I don't think it was necessarily better than some of the other moments that it had. That being said, I absolutely loved it. And an A minus B plus is nothing to shake its head at. Yeah. I I just didn't think that his character necessarily lived up to what he was in Jessica Jones. Yeah, I mean I love Jessica Jones, but if I look at him and I'm like a moot a show I want to watch over and over and get that whole story. Jessica Jones would be tough to revisit just because it hits you. Sub well, so, so hard. I, I watched it again for the first time in a year trying to like It I, just goes so dark. I tried to lead up to it to Luke Cage and I ended up not because of timing. I it was weird watching Luke Cage for me. I usually like do the whole sit down and watch it over thirteen hours and didn't get the opportunity because of like some work stuff. Um, so I try to lead into it with Jessica Jones and it was tough. It was, I couldn't marathon it again. And, but at the same time, it was just so heavy that I, I loved it. I loved it on a rewatch. It's awesome. So I just looked through all the care. Now you got me all excited. Sigourney Weaver. She could totally play typhoid Mary. I could see that. Right? Absolutely. Hmm. I could see that being the villain of the Defenders. Street level, scary. How's the hand fit into it? Uh, she's she's, an she's assassin, assassin for the hand. hand. Alright. Yeah. Oh. No, so this is my... This is my <laughs> I don't... I never read the comic books. I, like, literally... Shout out to my man, Dave Groves. I literally, like, got into this stuff probably two years ago. I'm feeling like a five-year-old again watching these shows. It's crazy just, like, subjecting myself back to it. I remember thinking Typhoid Mary was going to be the villain for Daredevil Season 3. Hmm. But they've yet to Which, use Bullseye. Right? No, that's got to be it. Could they pull out Bullseye for the Defenders? No. Cool. They could pull out. No, because sure. got, they've got Scorning Weaver already. And, 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 and so Karen's, Karen's on set with Punisher already. They're building her to be a big part of the MCU TV. I guarantee she eats it at the end of Daredevil Season 3. Oh, Karen. Oh, yeah. Karen's yeah. not going to make it through next season. No, no, she's in Punisher. Like, all of it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's multiple, multiple shots of her and Punisher hanging out together. But uh, but I guarantee that it's, like, one of those things that you build her up. So who do you pick? Oh, you could pick Barracuda for Punisher's enemy. 
Yeah, I know. I don't think it even matters. It's Frank Castle. It's more. <laughs> what what is the Gordon Weaver is Viper? And they bring in. Um, well, if you ever read the. They bring in Hydra into the mix. <laughs> they do Serpent Society. The Serpent Society, yeah. And Captain oh, America yeah, comes in at the end of like. Well, hey guys, I got hey, this, don't worry. This is Cap 3 <laughs> all over again. <laughs> The OG title to Cap 3 before Civil War was announced. But, but what is it, like 20 minutes before Civil War? They literally announced it as yeah. Serpent Society, and then 20 minutes later they had they had Chris Evans and, uh, 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 what's his face, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. come out and be like, yeah, we're not doing Serpent Society, we're doing <laughs> Civil War. <laughs> that, was, that was the big announcement. Um, anyways, uh, I think we can all admit it was a good, good show. It was Absolutely. definitely yeah. worth watching. It was... Powerful in its method. Uh, uh, mesh, uh, in its method, man. Method, man. Uh, it's a message. Um, so, I think we're going to wrap it up here. It was worth making. If you want to reach out to us, I think the best way is probably to reach out to us at uh, Brylan at gmail.com that's for all the negative criticism just send it there <laughs> just bring it right back honestly just like I, even if you like the podcast still send us negative criticism towards that email um, but seriously if you want to toot our own horn what you're going to do is email us uh, at downfrontpodcast at gmail.com um, if you want to give us kind of like while you're listening to it reaction uh, please tweet at us at underscore D-I-F-P. Uh, that's for Down in Front Podcast. Uh, I guess you want to tweet at us with your best, like, fake understanding on what that acronym means. I'll take that, too. That's potentially very funny. Um, also, uh, we have some kind of, like, other reviews that we really didn't get to. Um, you'll see us at downinfront.reddit.com. So down in front, no podcast on that one. Dot reddit. Dot reddit.com. Um, we also are on Stitcher. So y'all that are listening with a friend, let's say on an iPhone, but have an Android for whatever reason, that's a really obscure situation to be happening. Uh, you can, Isn't in fact, that? I don't know who shares a headset listening to a podcast. Well, now that you're putting it that way, I definitely not know. <laughs> He's lying. He does it all the time. Um, so you can find us on Stitcher, though. Uh, please, please join us next week. We're going to be reviewing the first half of Westworld. Uh, that show has taken all of us by storm. And, Bring your piano players. Oh, seriously. And your anachronatic, uh, chromatic music, because it's about to get real weird. Um, bye. 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 Sweet Christmas. Describe my sexuality. Bye.